0: Welcome to the left turn. cult. I don't even know what episode this is. Um, uh,
1: this is uh, with an asterisk beside of it. Episode nine.
0: Yeah, we had to get rid of last episode. Isn't it ironic? Cody pointed this out that we had to get rid of our censorship episode.
1: We censored ourselves because of our uh, censorship
0: episode. We we censored ourselves with censorship with, on, with the pawn censorship, and that's Poor that's some, that's some but crazy shit.
1: The the problem is, you know, we started this podcast out as friends talking about NASCAR and like, it's already taken off and gone a little bit farther than what we expected it to a uh, way faster than we expected. So initially you're like, how how do we talk when it's just us, you know, hanging out, talking about NASCAR? I mean, we just give our, our harsh takes on the sport, but to grow a podcast and, you know, to be um, well-respected and well-loved, Sometimes you have to reserve your opinions for like, you know, uh, non non broadcasted moments.
0: hundred percent. And I think here's something for everybody that's listening to this and anybody who's got a podcast of their own already knows. I mean, when we talk about literally all we do every week, we make sure to put out an episode every week for you all. And we work literally i would say we're working on the podcast what four to five days out of the week
1: i mean i would i would say myself i might be pumping in seven
0: seven okay well i am not uh, i'm living the true ceo life i guess with not doing jack shit and
1: pro- but, but okay i'm the social media guy so it is it's every you, day yeah right?
0: and cody's got our social media going by the ways at left turn call instagram twitter facebook spotify Follow us now yeah we not, do not, not have tiktok we will never have TikTok. Don't you okay. ever ask us about TikTok. I'm still pumped up because we
1: just got done talking to um uh-huh, somebody. But but we shouldn't say yet, even though it's, it's in the title of this episode. It's, it's definitely, definitely
2: <laughs> We may have a TikTok because I may want to do a TikTok for a left turn Colt.
0: So, boom, let's go ahead and talk about what happened this week. We have some new paint schemes. We got Daytona 500 coming up. Well, how many entries are we up to 50. now? 50. 50 entries. Yep. For the Daytona – how was the last time we ever heard of 50 entries to the Daytona 500?
1: And, if I'm not mistaken, there's only four open spots. Everything else is already taken by charter teams. Yeah.
0: Which is why the, the charter system is absolute horseshit. You got all these new teams trying to come in there and get in. But, you know, it is what it is. There's a business to it. Um, man, I'm just – okay, first of all, Chase Elliott released a new scheme. What the hell was that?
1: Um. So I like to think that the gold signifies his gold ring now that he's <laughs> a champion. Um. But other than that, I genuinely I can't tell you what the gold actually. Uh. I don't know why they threw that that gold in there.
0: So I'm gonna go ahead and say that the the scheme that he ran before was one of the most perfect schemes. Like, for my for my own personal preference, you know, you think about these schemes that people ran for years and years and years on end and now schemes are a huge thing. You know, you got people like lefty designs and everything like that that they're just pumping out schemes like every other day. And all you know, schemes are a big thing in NASCAR now. I think that's
1: okay. The- schemes are a big thing in NASCAR, but NASCAR doesn't make schemes a big thing.
0: No, they don't. They don't make schemes a big thing. And you know, you think about, uh, I mean, let's think about Morgan McClure racing. They ran that four Kodak car. Think about how simple that was, and how many years they ran that car like that. Right, and you knew what that car was. Not to say that they changed Chase. Thank God they didn't change the white and the blue up. But I think that was a good scheme. Uh, the William Byron uh, <laughs> rate. I'm gonna call. I'm calling it the Ray Charles Rainbow Warrior scheme.
1: Uh, it's. I
2: think it looks. I like good. it. I, I <laughs> you won't like it. So I'm I, don't. it I don't.
1: I don't. I am. I'm not behind Bowman's, and I'll tell you why. I don't think the green belongs
0: see I do think I, I actually like the green
1: it's so it's so minimal though like it's there for no reason
0: It's random yeah i I just don't understand i I, I do say that it's not the best scheme that they've ever done uh, they're uh, allies going in the right direction with their schemes man but like it's just I don't know I don't know it's just like they can't figure it out it, to me they have not just not made a a genuinely beautiful race car yet, but they're getting there.
2: But then we also have the Bubble Wallace twenty three eleven perfect. That, that's beautiful.
1: And perfect I mean, that's team. You see it's that? You see one. that twenty three? Even if you don't know who that team owner is, you are automatically going to thank Michael Jordan when you see that car.
0: A hundred percent. And I mean that DoorDash scheme that he's got. It's so it's so it's, it's it's simplistic, but it works.
2: I'm looking forward to seeing what his Dr Pepper one will be.
0: I just, I, I said this. I said it'll this be next, a night race. Yeah, I oh, yeah, said right. this in the episode. Well, think about the flavors that he could go with. He can go with Dr. Pepper, Dot Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper, Cherry. Now, that would be a good scheme. Uh, You know, Dr. Pepper, Cream Soda, which is a weird, just a weird tasting drink. Which is kind of,
1: of it's low key good, though. It's good. It's just yeah, like, I don't like Dr. Pepper, but I like the cream soda. I
0: love DP
1: no. in love both scenarios. Scenario. Okay, so can we flip back before we get into the paint schemes fully? We brought up uh, how many entries we had in the 500, right? Yep. Yeah. There's only four open spots now, and that's going to be between these drivers. There's one on here that I'm surprised he's on here. Ryan Priest, he is not locked in. And I, I'm – yeah.
0: I mean, he signed on with JTG Daugherty, right?
1: Yeah. So there are eight drivers not locked in, and there's only four spots that remain. We have Ty Dillon, Ryan Priest, Noah, Gregson, Austin Sindrick, Kaz, David Reagan, Chad Fincham. Oh David Reagan's in this okay, I did didn't, I see didn't... The Dinger's back too. The Almondinger. Dinger, yeah. Yep. But uh, David Reagan, Chad Fincham was which, which is a hometown boy he races at the Kingsport Speedway. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Timmy Hill.
2: Well here's so, the other thing. There's there's actually someone who is coming back for Bristol that has been retired has been retired for a few years. That's Jamie McMurray. You mean Daytona? Yeah, Daytona. So.
0: Uh also oh, didn't I also Derek heard Cope. that uh Derek Cope is going to be running the 500 again.
1: Yeah, I saw I saw a tweet that was pretty funny actually. And uh I'll say this because I don't think we're ever going to have Derek Cope as a guest. But it's like they're actually letting a 62-year-old man race in the 500 knowing good and well that he's going to like crash out six or seven cars.
0: You um, know what? I'm gonna, I, I say he'll finish it. No. I shot say he'll me. finish the race. No I shot I think I, okay, Derek Cope is, you know, I mean, he's Derek Cope, but he's he is a Daytona five hundred champion. He's been through it before.
1: Ninety two, I think it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some something like that. And you know, we got David I mean, Reagan How long
1: has it been since he's ran a car?
0: Well, he actually ran <laughs> you know, it's funny because he uh, so he has his own racing team, which is it used I think it's StarCom Racing. Um
1: What series?
0: Cup Series. It's the double zero car. You know that, uh, Quinn Huff, the one that was Um, racing double zero. That's his, that's his race team. No way. Uh, yeah. I did not know that. Uh, Starcom racing. So Starcom racing is, um, something that he ran for forever. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's led by team man. He's the team manager. Um, and he's, he, he, that's pretty much his team in my opinion. Uh, but he ran he, – he ran a couple years, like, you know, 2016. I think it was like part-time schedule type, type shit like that. And then uh, he finally got out of the driver's seat. Uh, and now he's right back in it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you know, I mean, my Lord. I, I mean, how old was – there's a lot of that's – a, that's a thing people don't think about. It's back in the older days, you know. Now, if a driver hits about 45 – 46 that's about the end of their career
1: yeah. if they,
0: if they make it that long back in the day you had 55 year old racers racing you know 60 year old racers they didn't give a shit they were like right, this is my life this is what I'm doing um, well, I
2: guess the big question is now who do we think is going to be the final four in the is, who who thinks who do we think is going to be the final four to get in the burst to get into the pool for Bristol I'm at, Daytona, why am I saying Bristol? You are stuck Man, on Bristol,
3: you are right Bristol today, aren't you?
2: <laughs> so
1: I'm going to list these boys again, and then uh, you got to pick four of them, all right? So uh, part of you go first. You got Ty Dillon, Ryan Priest, my, my role model, Noah Gregson, Austin Sendrick, <laughs> Kaz Grala, David Reagan, Chad Fincham, and Timmy Hill
0: so it's oh, born on nascar heat five it's going to be chad fincham because he's a
1: fucking beast in that. oh yeah you're not beating him or brennan gone no yeah, man. um you I'm know glad, i'm glad your name is parv
2: <laughs> yeah yeah jacob
1: that is payback from uh two weeks ago
0: fair fair <laughs> fair all right go ahead parv <laughs> fucking dick
2: <laughs> Alright, uh all four of mine are gonna be Brennan Gaunt, even though he's not racing anymore. Just kidding. Uh it's gonna be I think Sendrick is gonna be one of them. I think David Reagan will be one of them. And I think Ty Dillon will be one of them. And I think the last one who who are the other ones who who are the other ones that are remaining uh Gregson,
1: Kaz, Fincham and Hill.
2: I'll go with Fincham. I don't think Gregson
0: will make it in there. So, I'm going to – for once, I actually agree with you except for one driver. I think all the drivers you said will probably be the ones who make it. But I think that um, – I think that uh, Gregson will make it. He, he's, he's he's pretty much running a um, – I mean, RCR and Hendrick mixed this year, but the 62 car was pretty much an RCR vehicle, so.
2: Who do you think, Who do you think he's going to replace –
0: Noah Graxson?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. See, I don't know,
0: man. I don't know who he'll – who, who he'll, but he'll have to do better in the Xfinity before he can worry about that, in my opinion. He's a great driver. If he can channel that aggression, that's what makes me
1: – Now I think he meant who who from the list is he going to
2: beat out. He oh. Say, you said he agreed on all of them except for one of them.
1: Well, uh,
0: Fincham. I don't think Fincham
1: will make it. Jacob's just riding that,
2: that adrenaline from a little while ago.
1: Dude, Dude I am. He's I'm, just I'm, on cloud nine. Nah. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on cloud I don't think Fincham will make it. I
0: just don't. I just don't. Um, right, Cody, I'd do be, be stupid.
1: Listen, love him or hate him, I'd be stupid to not think that Ryan Priest doesn't make it into that race, especially mm-hmm. in the JTG cars. I mean, they, they put out fantastic mid-major cars. Uh, I feel like at any point, the 37 or the 47 is a victory lane car. Every single race, I think the cars are there for that.
0: Is David Reagan running Front Row Motorsports—is that what he's running? Yeah. Okay. I mean, um, I, I see him making it.
1: Oh, uh, David Reagan's not not going to make a 500 if he's got to qualify in. I, there's no way he's not in there. Oh yeah. Um. So I'll I'll say uh, I'll say Priest. I think David Reagan will. Kaz. I think Kaz will make it in. And then I'm I'm just gonna stick with the hometown boy, Chad Finchum. Chad Finchum. Yeah, I'm putting Fincham over over Dylan and Gregson. I, don't I mean, hell,
0: gonna, man, I mean, he can. I don't have anything against him making it, but I just, I just don't know. I just don't see it.
2: So, is, so the question he is, can, he can drive a he, car. So my question is, is how do you, how well do you think Jamie McMurray is going to do? You think he's going to be the back of the pack? If or Jamie McMurray, or... if Jamie McMurray
1: is is still in the race at the end of the race, if he doesn't, you know, have Jamie McMurray luck, he'll be a contender for the win.
0: What 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 is he racing for?
2: Um. Uh, is Spire Motorsports? He's number seventy-seven. He's running the
0: seventy-seven. Corey LaJoy, actually speaking of paint schemes, back to that, he released his paint scheme. It's pretty dope.
1: Isn't He's it? running
0: the seven car this year.
1: I haven't seen the the paint scheme for
2: that one.
0: It looks like uh, it looks like an old Junior Motorsports car. Is what it looks like.
2: Really? Isn't, yeah. isn't Jamie McMurray a former Daytona Five Hundred winner?
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was Jay, the he, Go ahead.
2: Jamie McMurray is just a restrictor plate driver, too.
0: Oh, he won. He, remember the race where Juan Pablo hit the jet dryer? Yep. He was the guy who was the guy who took on the victory. At now. I stayed up as a kid to watch that race. My dad let me stay up for once, and I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, what do you think, Cody? Do you think that uh, – who do you think is going to be Daytona 500 champion? This year? Yeah.
1: Man, that, that is – with it being the 500 that's a hard ass question it is it's a hard question i mean honestly any of the cars that qualify and make it into the race on on a restrictor plate race you know all the cars are pretty much equal for the most part and we Um, thought
0: last year was weird this year they're qualifying and practicing at certain locations and not others yeah depending on state regulations with COVID. yeah so this is going to be even weirder here um
2: it's just a weird, like Daytona is like the weirdest race in general because you just don't know. It could be a nobody. It could be a nobody to a somebody to win the race.
1: I'm gonna give two, two pos- possible outcomes for the 500 this year. Number one, I firmly believe it's gonna happen as long as he stays clean and out of trouble. I think Matt, Matty D is hungry and thirsty. Uh, and, obviously, he is one hell of a restrictor plate racer.
0: He's a good driver. He's number just two.
1: Driver. Number two for me is now probably my – I don't know if he's my second or third favorite driver, but it might uh, might rattle y'all a little bit. I think Alex Bowman is going to have a hell of a year. You know, I don't disagree. Like, I, I like 48, I, I feel good about his season.
0: Bowman – here's the thing about Bowman. Bowman has been on both ends of the spectrum. He's been on the lower end, racing the small cars, and now he's in good equipment. He's literally finished in every single position, from first to last. So, you know he's got a he's got a reason to be hungry. He's been he's been out of a ride before. He knows how hard it is to get up there. Bowman Bowman is 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 genuinely like one of my favorite Chevrolet drivers. But I'm gonna go ahead and tell you who my my 500 prediction is. Larson,
2: you think Larson
1: is- You think that five team is immediately successful?
0: I think they're going to be immediately successful.
1: So is that is that the eighty eight team?
0: Technically, I think the forty eight is the eighty eight team.
1: Did they all rotate? Because I was thinking maybe I was thinking. So I might be wrong, but if I'm not mistaken, I heard like Bowman is going with his crew chief to the forty eight. Yeah. And then Bowman's – the rest of Bowman's team surrounding the 88 car went to the five. Yeah. And everybody who was with Jimmy stayed there.
0: And that may be true. I hadn't – learned. I knew the crew chief went with them. Mm -hmm. That's all I knew. But I think the five team will be immediately successful. I really do. I think they're going to be – I think that Larson's got a lot to prove right now because he doesn't have a sponsor.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think – I don't think it'll take Larson long at all to pick up a sponsor. No. Um, um,
0: also, Larson will go to will go to Victory Lane dirt race. I'm calling it,
1: Christopher Bell. That's where I'm putting I'm my money.
0: Putting your money on Christopher Bell. It's
1: going to be Bell, Larson, and Bubba top three at Bristol because Bubba's a dirt racer. Yeah. Now, if Clint Boyer was still racing, I'd put all my money on Clint.
0: Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Right,
2: I'm going to give. I'm going to give also two predictions for my Daytona 500. One, I do think. Matty D might be one of them, but also number two, I think we're going to see a redemption story. Oh, God, here no, we go. It's not who you think I'm <laughs> going to say, it's not this person, <laughs> Jacob's already like it's not Kyle Bush. Who is it? It's Ryan Newman. I think Ryan Newman, no, okay, all right. So, that's, Ryan that's pretty... might have a... you honestly bring up a good point because Ryan Newman. Obviously, he had that, you know tragic accident that he had at Daytona 500. He would have won that race if that would have not have happened. Like he was until until he got spun by accidentally. So I'm pretty. Hell was yeah, you winning? put a block on somebody like that. You, they're not getting past you. So I think Ryan Newman would have won the Daytona 500 last year if it wasn't for that tragic. But I think this year he he is going to be gunning for that Daytona 500 win because he is one of the many drivers who hasn't had a win in like a long time and i think he's going to win it this year
0: you know here's the thing about rest- uh, restrictor plates too when it comes to restrictor well i say restrictor plate we don't have restrictor plates anymore super speedway racing um
1: uh, yeah i keep referring to them as restrictor plate i do
0: too well it's like it's in our vocabulary it's just what yeah. we know um the super speedway racing as far as that goes Ford are the ones that beat. They they have the most horsepower. For for whatever reason, they have it figured out. Uh, Doug Yates has done phenomenal as far as that regard. Um, But we could see a scenario. There are a lot more Ford teams out there than there are Chevrolet and then there are Toyota. So we could see a scenario like last year where there are all those four teams, but also lots of four teams means they have more of a chance to be caught up in some caution or a wreck or something like that. And that's what happened last year, you know. Um, so I don't disagree with you. I think Newman Newman can come back out and win
1: if he can stay in it long enough. Okay. But, Who's starting on the poll?
0: Hamlin?
1: <laughs> no. Nah. Logano, Nope. Who? It's going to be Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, one and two. Oh, uh, I don't know.
2: What for, for censorship reasons, I'm not going to respond to that.
0: <laughs> well, moving on from the Daytona predictions and everything like that, so we had a driver on today. This was our first driver that we've had on, and let me go ahead and say I'm still adrenaline pumping, right now, and I think we all are, because of how genuinely of a good person this guy was, and nice, and like everybody over there that we hooked up with. We got him on, and we could only get him on for 30 minutes because he's got a really busy schedule. But even those 30 minutes, I had such a great time talking to him.
1: Yeah, and was, you know, fantastic. being being a kid, yeah, you know, growing up watching NASCAR, you always hope that like your favorite driver, the guy you like, is nice. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I feel like most athletes probably are like decent. Uh, But typically when, when people speak to the media, um, they're like, they got their guard up because you don't know what media is going to ask or, you know, I mean, we could have taken everything he said and like, yeah, I could have went and edited these clips where like, you know, I asked him a question like, Hey man, how are you? And he answered like, I hate it. Or I hate you all, you know, and take something he said totally out of context, but he was super open, super friendly and like,
0: I am so glad we got him on, and my biggest my biggest thing about interviews, whether it's whoever it's with, I always want to make sure that we're not offending that person because I feel like so many interviewers out there will ask a question and they ask it, and it's just like they have no sympathy they have no like they have nothing they have no like- like respect they just ask them a question you know, so that's my biggest thing, and that's kind of I meant to tell them that when we first started. But anyways, the driver that we had on is no other than Ryan Reed.
1: The two-time Xfinity season open winner.
0: That won in 2015. Yeah, Jacob. In 2017, because I screwed that up.
1: God, man, I
0: freaking knew that, too. Um, He drove
1: the 16 car for Roush Fenway Racing, the Lily Diabetes car, because he has type 1 diabetes.
0: Yes, and it's honestly a cool story. You know, you hear stories like – Davey Allison racing with broken ribs, and you hear stories. Ricky of like, Rudd duck taping
1: his eyeballs open.
0: Yeah, you know stuff like that. People racing with casts. Uh, Kyle Bush coming back and racing, you know, with with injuries. I mean, even though that he didn't deserve that championship that year, and I mean, you know, you have you have all this these stories of different drivers and what they've done. But how many drivers have you ever known this came in with like a disease? What Brian right. Vickers?
1: He well no, I mean that came into his career.
0: Yeah. Uh Ryan Reed, I mean, there's not many that I can think of.
1: And but genuinely. Mean, yeah. And he was he was massively humble. Um and everything we asked, he answered with with dignity, respect. Um and it, there's a lot of stuff that he, he kind of shared with us, uh little little stories that he had said he had never told before.
0: Yeah, which was cool. And, you know, it, it, I mean, that's that's something that I enjoy. I, I, love to hear, <laughs> I love to hear things that, you know, that you wouldn't ever think of. And, obviously, we're racing fans. We follow the sport pretty heavily. So, we kind of understand how the business works inside and out. Um, but the reason that we want to get these drivers on here to tell you this, the viewer, uh, the listener, uh, is so that you can understand what these drivers had to go through. And you know it's only a short amount of time that you'll be able to hear them, but still, it's still very insightful.
1: Yeah, uh, and and before we go into it, I want to to make a note that he corrected me, and I know he corrected you too, Jacob, on one thought process that we share. Um, he said the record straight that if you're a rich kid, you're not properly or actually guaranteed uh, your spot in NASCAR, and me and Jacob feel that way. So.
0: He did. He did. He kind of come after us. Now, I mean, you know, obviously I've never been in, in the spots that he has been, and, and you know, me, me and Cody both. Um, so maybe we've been fucking assholes. <laughs> like yeah, I, yeah, I we so. might have been. We might have been fucking assholes. I mean, because, I mean, now that he's saying that, uh, you know, think about Ty Dillon this year. We just talked about him. Yeah, I didn't. I don't even know if Ty has got a ride. I think that he just landed that ride. Yeah, for a race.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I guess you know, after the after last season, uh, papa Paul Childress definitely saw something in Austin that not many people did on up until this past season. Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, uh, he set us straight on, on that. Um, and it, it, like we didn't like bring that up specifically, but he made it a point because I'm sure he's heard it. You know, oh, your parents have money, so that's why you're in the sport. And he set us straight and let us know that that's not how the industry actually works.
0: Nope, nope. And, you know, I mean, he talks about I, – I, I don't want to give too much away, but he you know, he talked about that literally no one is uh, no one is safer when I asked you, it seems yeah, like.
1: <laughs> that story is great.
0: Yeah. Um, and – I I just you know watching Ryan Reed. So when I was when I was a kid, so I was a Rash Fenway guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a little backstory. So I was a Rash Fenway. So when when they said that he could come on, I said that's great because I literally watched him. You know, I watched him as a driver. I remember cheering him on as he went across the uh, the finish line. Uh, in 2015. In, in 2015, I dude like literally when he said that he was, he, I was like I'm a dumbass i was like i am an, i am an idiot made me feel so bad um like, yeah. yeah
3: real fan man
0: god god dude see that's why that's why i like um um so i'm an actor that's why i don't study my lines every day because if you study your shit more i'd studied that his statistics a lot and i screwed it up that's why i don't study my lines
1: hey a yeah, that, that's a fact you can be overprepared
0: you can be. You can be. You can look at something and you can screw yourself up. Now now Ryan Reed's career, you know, I mean, obviously he's helping uh he said Jack Wood, is that his name? Jack Wood? Yeah, in the Arca Roger. series. Um, so that's that's something that I also want to point out. Uh Jack Wood is who he he'll be talking about here in just a little bit. But uh, Jack Wood is in the Arca series right now and he's saying that he, you know, he's thinking he's gonna get some success. So um definitely look look him up. Everything like that. But his statistics. So his statistics right here. So I was looking at him. You know. And uh, he, he had two wins, but they were both at Daytona. And I think there's a misconception of winning at Daytona. Because it's gotten to the point now in NASCAR where I see a lot of fans on social media saying that oh, that's an easy win. Right. It, that's so far from the truth. You you have to survive everything that happens. You have to plan. I mean, if you're going to pass somebody, you got to plan it like a lap ahead.
1: Well, I think, I think the misconception is born from the fact that guys who never run up front run up front at Daytona. Yeah. But that's because the cars are so much more equal. Yeah. Like, teams don't really have that great of an advantage themselves. You're seeing the actual driver's talent shine through.
0: Yeah. And in his career he had seven top fives but twenty seven top tens. Yeah. You know? That's that's a good career. Like that is a great career. And, you know, of course he won and um um and and some of the you know uh coming up through the thing, uh shit. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling here uh if you could he, he he was winning races uh you know in late model series and stuff like that you know and you know he made his way up to the xfinity series and i mean i mean i think i think that uh he definitely let his name on the nascar list like everybody knows who ryan reed is
1: 100 percent. and i mean yeah he We go into his career and, you know, towards the end of his, his racing career at the time, which he's adamant about, uh, he's not done. He, he always will consider himself a race car driver. So this first stint in, uh, in the Xfinity series, you know, he explains how things happen and why he is where he is now coaching Jack Wood. Um, But yeah, it's, it's exciting and it's a good interview. So you should uh, keep listening.
0: You should keep listening. You should keep listening and don't and don't judge me too hard when i fuck up the years
1: because that's (laughs) is this where we pretend that he's calling in now i think so ring ring ring
0: i think so well we'll just go ahead and ring him in
1: ring ring ring
0: up into it all right mr reed my name is jacob lewis this is matthew parvin this is cody powers we're with the left turn cult podcast uh good to have you on we're huge fans we followed you all the way through nascar um so what's going on man what you what you into right now
3: yeah so uh just man just hanging out you know obviously um uh, i loved my time in in the sport uh behind the wheel uh i still do a lot within within this within racing um i do some work for uh cook's headers and exhaust also um and uh so it's been i mean really you know it's just just uh everything's on the business side now um you I miss, I miss being behind the wheel, but, you know, I've always had a passion for the, for the business side of the sport, and um, I do a lot with uh, driver development for a kid named Jack Wood who's going to race for GMS next year. So, um, still do a lot on the driver coaching side, but uh, also uh, kind of transition more and more to uh, kind of the managerial role for him. Um, so, yeah, yeah, just uh, staying busy. I feel like I'm busier than ever, which is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful to be busy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially during this time,
0: how's has, has COVID impacted you any, has it been?
3: Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely affected everyone, you know, and um, I think it's, it's just changed everyone's world. You know, I've been really, like I said, I've been really fortunate to be able to to stay busy and, and stay, you know, working. And um, even last year, you know, going to a lot of races out on the West coast, Jack drove for a family team, family owned team last year out West. So um you know, spent, it was actually really cool for me. It kind of brought me back to my roots. Um, he raced a series called SRL, um, uh, which is a super late model series out West, uh, as well as running some ARCA West stuff. So a lot of tracks that I grew up going to like, you know, Madera and Irwindale, Roseville, uh, stuff like that. Those were a lot of the tracks, Bullring, uh, out in Vegas. So a lot of the tracks that I grew up racing, I went out and helped him at. Um, and then, but I'm really thankful this year, he's racing the big ARCA show because, uh, I uh I get to stay a lot closer to home, which is still in Charlotte. So I don't have to fly across the country uh twice a twice a month.
0: Oh, so you're still living here in the East Coast with us, man? Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, we're we're right from Bristol. Like we live like right out from Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, that's where we're kind of all from. So we we love the that area right there, Charlotte. And I think Cody just went to the Hall of Fame, like literally just yesterday. Oh yeah, um, it is beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah. great.
3: Um, yeah, actually, I I I lived up in Mooresville for the longest time when I was racing. Um, I lived in like the Mooresville and Cornelius area and um, which is up by the lake up here. And then when I got done racing, I was like, okay, I need to change the pace. So I moved down into uh, like downtown Charlotte area called South End. And um, I love it, man. Uh, it's like, it's, it's really close. I could probably throw a rock in at the hall of fame from my, uh, from my building. So um, <laughs> yeah, Charlotte's still home for me. I, I you know, I'd love California love to go visit but i i have no intentions of moving back there anytime soon
0: <laughs> i think i think that's the cool thing is right now i'm i'm in nashville uh and there's a lot of people from california moving up here and they say like yeah, yeah. we're here we're here to stay we're not going back i'm like all
3: right um, yep i know there i think um i think everyone especially lately is you considered considered leaving california um but <laughs> you know it's uh it's great. My family's still there. I still love to go visit and hang out, um, but uh, I'm excited to get on a plane and come home when uh, when the trip's over.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, you said you're helping with ARCA series right now, and of course, you know, NASCAR is kind of in this uh, this very advancement in the whole series, uh, and we mm-hmm. know we, we cover all sorts of racing. We cover NASCAR. We cover, uh, I mean, really anything late models, dirt racing, stuff like that. So, sure. I mean, with NASCAR moving in this new, this new feature, uh, I mean, like, what is your opinions on it? I mean, like, what what do you think that, do you think, do you think it's better for the sport? Do you think it's the, the right move?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, ARCA was already such a developmental feeder series in a NASCAR. And so, you know, I think that there were some things where they, you know, were kind of, far apart you know what i mean I almost look at like there's some rules like if you if you're a football fan you know you watch college football then you watch nfl it's like there's some rules that are different like the you know you'll have to have one foot down um you know to, to for it to be a catch and yeah. it's like that needs to be the same because they know where all these kids are going which is you know they're trying to go pro so make it the same kind of rule you know yeah. but so i think it's kind of the same thing with arca you know it's like there's some there's some differences that we want these kids to get used to before they step into a truck externity God knows a cup car, um, but you know. So I think from that standpoint, hopefully some of those rules start to come together just from a you know um, a learning purpose, uh, and then I think combining resources. You know what I mean? Just being able to um, all pull together. I think motorsports is in a transition period, and it has been for a while now, and everyone's still trying to figure out exactly you know what where are the threshold on budgets. You know what what is you know how do we get sponsorship? You know how do we? And I think. Being able to combine resources, um, you know, Arca does a lot of things well, and NASCAR does a lot of things well, and be able to kind of put their heads together and figure all figured out together, um, I think is worth something.
0: Absolutely, and as we said before, man, like dead serious. We we watched, I watched you come up through the you know through the series and everything like that, and I found it interesting. Uh, so we definitely want to know what you were into. Now it's cool that you're doing you know mechanic work and everything like that. We think that's awesome because I'm a huge car guy, so like anything like yeah. that's great. Um, yeah. So. I'm gonna hand it off to Parv. Uh, we know that you know you had some series KBM and Parv, Our whole podcast is pretty much trashing on Parv for being a Kyle Busch fan. Uh, okay, <laughs> but anyways, it's all a joke. Uh, but Parv's a big Kyle Busch fan, so I'm gonna hand it off to him and let him talk to you about your days at KBM and uh, yeah, sure, how you enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, you gotta like, you gotta like have like a really short time with Kyle Busch Motorsports. You know, being doing like a small thing. Well would it like to you know work with Kyle Busch and the motorsport with him?
3: Yeah, well, so my, my tenure at KBM was never really got started. So this is kind of one of those things, uh, some about my career that not a lot of people know. Um, and it, it really is what led to a lot of what happened next in my career. So I was all set to go race a, uh, a super late model for Kyle Busch. And it probably would have led to some truck stuff. Um, but right when I was getting ready to move uh, back to North Carolina from Bakersfield, California, I got really sick. And that's right when I got diagnosed with diabetes, um, which led to, um, you know, uh, ultimately which led to the partnership with Eli Lilly and the Lilly Diabetes Program that we did with Rush Fenway. Um, but, you know, it, also too, we were working with American Diabetes Association and JDRF, which have a tight relationship with Ford. So I know this is kind of, you know, really convoluted, but ultimately what happened was is that because I got diagnosed with diabetes, they told me I'd never race again that really derailed the the deal with Kyle Busch. So we had to tell him, Hey, listen, we can't, you know, we can't move forward with this. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if I'm gonna be able to race. So after that, so he, he sold off the races and you know, it was all, all good, no harm, no foul. But then, you know, with, uh, with combining forces with JDRF trying to use the racing platform to spread awareness about diabetes, I got in touch with Ford and then Ford kind of navigated me over to the Roush side of things. And so, it's kind of crazy how life works out, but, um, I never really, you know, Kyle was always you know, good to me and I always felt like he was great, uh, mentor at times. Uh, but I never really got to get going with KBM, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't know if you can tell with my wall of Fords here, but that's, uh, that's my team. Uh, so, uh, yeah, obviously you go to Jack Roush after that. And I, I had no idea that that's when you got diagnosed with diabetes. So that's, yeah. that's very interesting. So that was like uh, a blessing and a curse at the same time. I would, I would say, uh,
3: yeah i mean you know i've talked about it a lot it's one of those things where it's like i you know i got diagnosed told i'd never race again it was the worst thing that i could have ever imagined for a 17 year old kid disease mm-hmm. that you know just uh you know crippled you you know as far as uh professionally or as far as your dreams go um obviously you know i was very fortunate to be able to um you know it's a disease that there's technology you can manage it but still it's it's a, it's a really tough day to day every day you wake up with it so but I mean I had no idea the the road that it would then take me on you know and it was um well, you know I think the one thing about the diabetes community is like everyone's right tight-knit and tries to kind of pull together to help one another because it's a struggle that if you have diabetes you have you know you you kind of know uh, it's almost like a little fraternity you know it's a fraternity of uh of people that have some they hate dealing with every day. But anyways, nonetheless, you know, that led to some great relationships with Ford. Um, and then with Eli Lilly, the partnership we put together with Rosh Fenway. Um, and it was, you know, it was just kind of the dominoes kind of started to fall from there. But, you know, to this day, Ford, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Etzel Ford's son, Albert, actually has type 1 diabetes. And that's where their, you know, big passion for, um, you, know, you know, whether it's raising monetary funds or if they're, if you're talking about just raising awareness in general, they have a huge passion for it.
0: That's I had no clue that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I had no idea about that. My grandfather has, uh, I think, I think he's type two, and yeah. he, yeah, he's he's been he's been dealing with that for some time. Um, Cody, I'm gonna hand it off to you and let you ask a few questions, man. Uh, you go right ahead.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off of this conversation. Uh, so you know, it, it's it's well known you had the glucose meter installed into your car and you were monitored throughout the race. And uh, so was there ever a point to where during a race, you were like, hey guys, you know, I'm starting to feel rough. Uh, what, what was the protocol set up beforehand if, if that did happen?
3: Yeah, so, you know, there, obviously the, um, you know, the it, and it was funny because they're, they're still, uh, I still have a great relationship with the company today. I um, still use their technology every single day of my life, but it's a company called Dexcom and they make um, uh, a continuous glucose monitor. And so basically, it's a wireless device. Uh, there's like a little hair wire that sits underneath the skin of my stomach and uh, tells me what my blood sugar is. And that was always, you know, uh, something that I felt like if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't be able to get in the car uh, just because you, you don't know. You're kind of fighting blind at that point. So uh, then, you know, from after you know what your blood sugar is, then you have to worry about what if it gets too high or too low, right? Um, and if it was a low, uh, I had a drink uh, in the car at all times, and it's it's basically like a, a drink with a lot of sugar in it, essentially uh, a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugar, um, and you know, it was uh, think of like a endurance drink, like a Gatorade, uh, but with a concentrated amount of uh, carbohydrates just to spike my blood sugar if if need be. And then uh, the really interesting one though that I think everyone uh, always thought was so interesting was I walked around, I always had a bullseye on my fire suit, and um, that that bullseye was to indicate where to give me an insulin injection uh, during a pit stop if I needed. So back then I was on, uh, it's called an insulin pen. And basically it looks, looks like a pen. You pull the cap off, you screw this little needle on top, and then you dial up however many units of insulin you need and you inject yourself. And And now I'm on an insulin pump. Um, it's pretty cool. I'll just show you guys since we're here. So you can see, and that, it, they, the, what's really cool about this is Dexcom and this company Tandem that make this insulin pump, they partnered up. And so it, it combines kind of both, both sides of it. So you have your, tells you where your blood sugar is, and then the pump will react whether you're too high or too low and adjust insulin accordingly. So it's pretty cool. So if I was racing today, probably wouldn't need the, uh, the, the bullseye. But nonetheless, back then, I always had a bullseye. If I needed an insulin shot during a pit stop, Some one of my guys would come over the wall and stab me if, if they needed to.
0: You know, I noticed that bullseye back in the day, and I, I always asked myself, like, what in the hell is that bullseye for? Now I know what yeah. it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, know. Um, I was like, that's a badass fire suit design, but then I was like, oh well, you know, never mind. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, you got diagnosed with that. Went to Roush Fenway and Ford, um, Jack Roush, which is you know one of the most probably one of the most well-known names in NASCAR.
3: So yeah, what, what was it like?
0: What was it like to work under the cat in the hat, as they say?
3: Oh, it was it was really cool. I mean, there was um, obviously a tremendous amount that I learned from Jack as a race car driver, as a as a human being, as a businessman. Um, you know, you name it, and Jack's probably you know seen it or or been a part of it or uh, at least knows something about it. You know, he's incredibly smart on the engineering side. Uh, he's a great leader. You know, um, and and the fact that he through all the adversity he's been through, what a call plane wrecks now, um, you know, he's been at the racetrack for God knows how many years in a row. Probably can't, he's probably, you know, I mean, that, that poor guy's ears, you know, I, I'm sure that uh, they've, uh, I'm sure they've lost a little bit of hearing over the, over the years uh, from all the race cars, but nonetheless, you know, he, he was awesome. And, uh, you know, I thought he was a great mentor, a great, a great leader. Um, one thing about Jack though was, and I think everyone knows this is, I think by the time I got to Roush, you know, Jack had had calmed down. Everyone talked about Jack and, you know, the meetings when he'd come in and yell and scream and how, you know, kind of iron fisted he was. Um, But I think that calmed down a little bit because it wasn't, you didn't see that side very often, but I did see it a few times. I remember I wrecked, oh God, I think I wrecked two cars at Daytona one year and then I went to Phoenix next week and I wrecked another. And when we got back, I mean, he went to my ass. Like it was, you know, um, He, I mean there was no there was no question about it that he was mad and you know he lets you know when he's had enough and uh it scared me I mean I think I was 19 years old maybe 20 and Jack Roush and Robbie Riser were sitting me down I mean just they weren't screaming but you know I mean it it was a very firm conversation and it wasn't you you quickly realize that this wasn't playtime anymore you weren't driving your dad's race car and you know you tear it up and your old man's a little frustrated with you it's you know this is a, a whole bunch of guys that You know, this is how they put, you know, food on the table uh, for their families. And, you know, as a race car driver, you have a responsibility to handle your business. And uh, I wasn't getting it done, and he let me know. And uh, I I learned a lot, um, not just from the good times, but also the bad times over there.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think people. That, a lot of people. That's because there's you know there's a lot of new fans coming in, and I have to explain to people you know because they're like, oh, it's gotta kind of be fun. I'm like, yeah, but you know, there's always that business ethnic side to it. Uh, you know, I was like, ass chewings is gonna happen. I was like, stuff like that. Uh,
3: yeah, and I think I think people have an illusion of you know and like, I will you know be honest here like you know a lot of what was you know gave me the opportunity to race was eli Lilly funding the program there's no there's no secret that everyone needs sponsorship to race in the sport mm-hmm. and so you know i think people have this illusion that you know if you have a sponsor or if you have parents that are able to you know put you in a position to be in a race car every week i think there's an illusion that, that the kids just walk around and do whatever they want and i promise you that they may get there uh they might get the opportunity because they have a sponsor or they have you know parents that are able to uh fund their racing but there's no when you get in these meetings and when you like when you get these you know, when you get to Jack Roush's and Robbie risers and, you know, over at GMS, it's Mike beam and uh Chad Bryant. They don't care. They don't care that, you know, if you're, if your parents got money or if you got a big sponsor attached with you, it means business, you know, and, and they're not going to hold back just cause you just cause you're, you know, just cause you're a kid, you know, they're going to put the pressure on you. And I learned that really quick. And I feel like that's served me really well as I've transitioned into my business side of things. uh, The second chapter of my career.
0: Yeah. And, and, I, I want to talk about this for sure. So obviously, obviously, it did it did work because in 2017, you won the Daytona the opening race uh, for the Xfinity Series. Now, I mean, Daytona is probably the most popular track in NASCAR. You know, it, to people who don't know what NASCAR is, to people who do know what NASCAR is, I mean, we got the Daytona 500 coming up. Um, what is it what like to cross the starting First career win <laughs> at one of the biggest tracks, you know, known.
3: Yeah, well, so actually, my first win was in 15 there, my and I won, I won it for the second time in 17, but when That's, I, was, I had it mixed up. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I knew what you meant there. But so 15, I won is my first win, and I mean, dude, I I don't know, I was like so overwhelming. I, you know, it was like you you're in that race, and I think that race was like four hours long. Um, I believe that was the race that Kyle Bush broke both his legs. And so, I mean, it's just like, there's just so much chaos going on and, and you're just, you're being more reactive. You're just reacting to things as they happen. And I was 20, what, 20, 21 years old. I think I was 21. Um, and you know, it was just like, holy shit, all of a sudden I'm in victory lane, you know, and, yeah. and it was just crazy. <laughs> um, but you know, I think that, that, it was more of a situation where, um, I, you know, I couldn't believe it. It was like surreal. And, you know, everything, we had a great night. We had a lot of fun when partied afterwards, it was a great time. And then when I won it two years later, that was more, I felt like I earned that. I earned the first one too. You know, you had to be there, you had to make good decisions. But the second one, I think I had to block Brad and, and Casey Kane for like five laps at the end, six laps. And I mean, it was like, I mean, you had to work for and it. And I felt like I earned it. You know, I felt like I, you know, no one was going to take that one from me no matter what they tried. And, um, and then I'll remember this forever. So I won it the first time in my helmet painter. I don't think I've ever told the story. My helmet painter, I didn't get out of the car on, in the, on the front stretch. I didn't, didn't think about it. I was panicked. I was like, I don't know what to do. And so my helmet painter gave me a really hard time. He's like, I can't believe I painted you a brand new helmet during the off season and you didn't get out of the car and celebrate on the front stretch of Daytona. So I went the second time I did a nice long burnout, stopped on the start-finish line, got out of the car, stood on the door, you know, pumped my fists in the air. And, uh, and that was, you know, that one I, I think was a lot more – I stopped and enjoyed that one a little more just because I'd been there before and I kind of knew, you know, what, what it was like. And, and you have to cherish those moments because, you know, you never know when it's your last or you don't know when it's your last race you'll ever do.
0: I think just on a just on a lot note, I think that would be my biggest fear is because uh, that burnout you did, you talked about, was one of the most badass burnouts I have ever seen. Uh, I think that would be my biggest fear that I'd burn the damn clutch out of it right there on
3: the. <laughs> you don't, you. I, I promise you, you win Daytona, you don't really care. The, uh, <laughs> chopped, they'll put a new clutch on it. They're not gonna care. <laughs> you, yeah, I talked to Doug Yates, and yeah, he'd be like, dude, no problem. You can burn out five clutches after Daytona win. That's a nice thing. You you know it buys you a little, it buys you some, uh, it buys you some wiggle room.
0: Yeah, yeah, a little bit of wiggle room. Um, well, uh, Parv, Cody, I'm gonna hand it off to you from the here on out. Uh, I've talked enough. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let them talk to you and ask some questions. They got a few more to ask.
2: Yeah, like, you had like multiple, like tra- you got to race on like, multiple tracks in the Xfinity series, and you know we have the new editions of Nashville and Coda in the, in the in the race this year. What was your like, most when you got to go race, what was your most excited track to go on every year?
3: Um, You know, that's a good question. Um, I mean, obviously, Daytona after, you know, after the first one. I mean, just Daytona is always special no matter what. But we had success there, you know, early on. I think my rookie year I finished third there, one in 15, you know, one in 17. I think I finished second or third third a couple times. So, we always had a lot of success there. The so, anytime. time. You know, you're good at a track. You always look forward to going there. Uh, Homestead is a place I think every driver loves, you know, just ripping the fence up there is not, like nothing else you'll ever experience in a race car. Um, Fontana was a track, I think, two reasons. One, it was a, a worn-out, really fast racetrack uh, that you could move around. Felt like it was, you know, you had options there. And California, was that was my home race, you know. It was two and a half hours where I grew up. I remember watching my dad run a, a Winston West race there when I was growing up. And um, you know, I had tons of friends and family that come out. So I think those are three of three of my favorites. I always, you know, had Richmond was where I had my first ever Xfinity start, and I always loved that track, short track racing. Um, so I think those are probably, you know, if when I think of my the tracks that I I liked, you know, the whole experience. When I we'd unload, I enjoyed practice, I enjoyed qualifying, I enjoyed the race. I thought the racing was really good. I thought that, you know, I think those are the places that come to mind. Places that I hated. I don't know if I'm gonna answer your next question. Uh, Dover and Bristol. I mean, it was just, those places were a challenge for me. And I felt like the last two years of my career, I started to figure it out. I think I finished fourth at Dover once. um, And, you know, I finally started to be decent at those, but I think the concrete tracks are where I, where I struggled. And I I had some work to do there. So,
1: all right, we've kind of detailed throughout your career. So we get into the 2018 season and late into that, that's when uh, you, you learned that, Lily's no longer gonna sponsor the car um you care to walk us through you know your thought process right there and then the the short time leading into the the twenty nineteen season you know where you're at mentally and what what moves you start start taking to try to find your your next place in motorsports
3: yeah you know i i think that you know it was that it was a tough thing so I actually uh again i don't know that many, or many people know this but i was we were we were getting really close on uh, doing a partial cup schedule the next year i probably wasn't gonna run xfinity uh just you know i think i'd been in the xfinity series for five years you know six if you count the partial season um and it was just like okay we, we've we got to you know we got to do something here and you know lily didn't want to take on you know the full cup budget um and so it was like here's how many races we can do for the budget we have and that's kind of the direction we we're going in and then at the last minute. Um, I think it was early November 2018. They, they announced that they weren't coming back, and it was tough. You know, it didn't give me, you know, two things. Obviously, losing Lily um, as, a, as a partner was, you know, massive. Whether they told me in January or November, it was, it was you know, a big deal, and it was going to affect my racing career drastically. Um, but then I think, secondly, it was just the timing. Um, I do think the timing was really tough. You know, it only gave me basically the offseason to put a deal together, we were close on some stuff. Uh, Dexcom came and sponsored me the next year going around a truck for DGR. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, but I, I think at that point, I kind of knew the chances weren't good. Um, we, I got close on a couple sponsorship deals. We were talking to JRM at one point, getting pretty close to putting a deal together with them. Uh, so, you know, I mean, and I still get calls, you know, I still get calls about, you know, hey, do you want to uh, run this or run that? Or, um, you know, if you, hey, do you have any funding? And, you know, there are great opportunities and they're not for very much. But you know I think for me it's um you know if somebody calls me and it's a good opportunity it's a good race car and they're not asking for money I'm probably gonna go do it uh but I think you know if it's somewhere I've gotta you know put all my eggs in in the sponsorship basket and I gotta go out and find funding it's a full-time job and you know I, I really love Jack that Jack Wood kid I think he's gonna come out and surprise a lot of people this year um you know he's gonna be in good equipment for the first time in his life and you know the the business side that I'm doing with cooks um I'm I'm really having a lot of fun with so I think it's not that you're ever done racing because I think any racer will tell you they they dream you know they I I, I probably one out of three nights I'm dreaming about being in a race car because it's such a big part of my life and I think that's I still think of myself as a race car driver but nonetheless I'm passionate about what I do off the track and you know having a lot of fun with it so you know that's kind of where my priorities are at this point but you never know
0: well hey man uh like I said we, we enjoyed having you on I promised uh,
3: is Jody Jody's a, f- a female right Jody is a female yeah okay she's all awesome. right. Jody I still uh, I still have some partners and um, still do some stuff um, she she works like uh, works like hell trying to get a sponsor for me so I can get back in a race car so uh, but Jody's awesome uh, she's helped me out since before I ever drove an arca car you know ten years ago so she's been around since the very beginning and she's the best so I uh, appreciate you guys working with her no
0: no she's one of the like she's been one of the nicest people that we've talked to and been so helpful so we like really appreciate her and uh i promised her i would only keep you for 30 minutes because i know you got a lot of stuff you got going on uh so we'll probably go ahead and end it but right right quick this won't be part of it um uh, but t-shirt size man what's your t-shirt size and we we'll, we're getting ready to print some t-shirts we'll send you one
3: i'm a large so large? i appreciate it yep a large you want a but...
0: you want a skull bandit shirt with left turncoat on it
3: Hell yeah, dude! That sounds badass. All
0: right, <laughs> we'll 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 hit it, we'll hit Jody up as soon as we get them printed out, and we'll uh, definitely send you one. We're kind of on the back burner with T-shirts right now.
3: Yeah, no worries. Well, I appreciate it, boys, and thanks for having me on. And um, you know, if you guys tweet a link or whatever and tag me, I'll 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 share it. Thank yeah, you for sir.
1: sure. Uh, where where can people find you before you go? What are your social media it, handles?
3: It's still at Driver Ryan Reed, um, and so I think that's the It's the same for twitter and instagram and then just ryan reed on on facebook but i do not do tiktok i feel like i at 27 <laughs> i'm probably a little too old i i there's people a lot over me on tiktok but i, I don't know man Dude, I, I'm I, with chased you. Social, I chased the social media thing when i was racing you know and it was like sat in all these social media seminars and driver training and brand power and i'm like man i'll still i'm still on instagram and twitter but i'm i can't keep up
0: <laughs> yeah i'm with you on the tiktok i will never I'm, i can't do it I, no. no
3: i i can't i'm not i am i am a terrible dancer and a terrible singer and i think that's pretty much most of what you do on there yeah yeah. yeah yeah you gotta have one of the two
1: at least
0: yeah
3: yeah
1: but hey man thank you we
3: we really do appreciate you you dropping by yeah we really yeah, do. thank you guys and best thank of you. luck you ever up in bristol
0: want to grab a beer you hit us up <laughs>
3: that's right yeah I'm, I'm all for going to watch a race at bristol but every time i drove there it, it didn't end well
0: All right, man. We appreciate you, Mister Reed. All right, you boys, take it easy. You too
2: pank a um pam 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 pam
1: pam 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 bump pam 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 pam
0: pam 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 pam
1: pam 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 pam